Ladies and gentlemen, and fellow golfers, for your entertainment. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa, brought to you by Hagen Oaks, America's most awarded golf facility, and Naturewood Home Furnishings, where it's all about choices and always about quality. Welcome to another edition of the Golf to Go Radio Hour here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Hi, I'm Frank LaRosa. Thanks very much for joining me and co-host Scott Marsh. Scott, uh, did you play any golf this week? I did not. I was so interested and excited to watch the RBC Heritage Tournament because, of course, it was played at Harbortown where we had played a couple weeks ago. And that was so much fun to watch that tournament. And Jordan Spieth, to see him win uh, after hitting that putt on 18 to send it to a, an extra hole was pretty amazing. I'm guessing he played it differently than you guys did. Uh, he certainly played different bunker shots than I played while we were there. And I, I know the tees were certainly different. That is no question. You know, it's, uh, it's really exciting today. We have um, a special guest, Ken Morton Sr., uh, from uh, recently retired about a year ago from, from Hagen Oaks. And, and with all of the experience and depth of knowledge that the man has, it's just really fun to kind of get him on the show and talk about uh, the game of golf, his life, perspective, and, um, and just kind of catch up with him. Yeah, I can't wait to meet him. I'm so excited. And honestly, Frank, you know better than me, but I think when you talk about the most important people ever in Sacramento golf, he's number one on the list. He's right up there. I'll tell you that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get a chance to meet him. We're going to talk to him. And we will get started with that on the golf to go Radio Hour on Sports 1140 right after this. It's the golf to go Hour with Frank LaRosa. You know, a year ago, uh, Ken Morton Sr. retired from Hagen Oaks Golf Complex after an incredible 64 years. Along the way, he established a worldwide reputation for professionalism, for quality programs, and for growing the game of golf, uh, among other accomplishments. He was honored countless times with national, regional, and community awards for service to the PGA of America, to the Northern California PGA, and, of course, to the city of Sacramento. Now, while the awards were appreciated, Ken Martin Sr. didn't set out for awards 71 years ago when he entered the golf world as a caddy at Del Paso Country Club. But Ken would say his story starts even before that with his father. Welcome, Ken, to the golf to go Radio Hour. It's indeed a pleasure to have you with us here today. Thank you, Frank. Uh, enjoyed being here. Tell us, Ken, uh, how did your father and your grandfather kind of set you on the path to, to where you are today? Well, my father was blind when I was a very young boy, and uh, and uh, we were quite poor till I was 11 years old. Uh, but he did get his eyesight back. He was the first person to uh, receive two cornea transplants and uh, was a very successful operation. And then uh, when I was 11 years old, I ran into a friend who seemed to have money in his pocket all the time, and I didn't have any. And I asked how he got it, and he said he caddied at the Del Paso Country Club. And he took me there one Saturday, and I've never left golf since. <laughs> Pretty exciting story. Very exciting. You know, you, you talked uh, one time to me about your grandfather, uh, who you spent a lot of time with while, you, while your dad was recovering. And you, your grandfather said a couple of things to you that kind of, uh, kind of molded you and, and kind of gave your philosophy for life. Yeah, it's, it really is quite a story as I look back. Uh, when one day uh, I was playing at his ranch house up in Marysville, and uh, he had a dairy farm and a peach farm, and and on this one day he he comes to me and he says, uh, Kenny, I want you to go down and uh, turn the water on in the pasture, you know, and uh, I said, Well, Grandpa, I, can't you see I'm playing here, and I didn't have any cars 
or anything to play with, but I was using rocks uh, for cars and uh, having a good time within myself. And uh, he said, now, Kenny, I, I ask you to go down and turn the water on so the cows could get something to drink. And I said, Grandpa, I'm playing here. And he said, uh, well, uh, Kenny, why don't you go in and see Grandma and tell her to give you a broom? I thought, uh-oh, this is not going to go too well. So I go in, and Grandma gives me the broom. And I come out, and he says, okay, Kenny, now I want you to put the broom between your legs. And I want you to believe that it's a pony. And I want you to uh, ride the pony all the way down to the faucet in the water and turn the water on. And I said, uh, oh, that sounds like fun. Okay, so as I'm leaving, Grandpa says, now, Kenny, there's something you should know. He says, you know, whether you're working or whether you're playing, it takes a lot of energy. In fact, it may take more energy than to play. So uh, always look at it like that for the rest of your life. And I thought, and that really has stood by me all these years in that, that you realize that, that when you're working, it's like playing. That's you know that what an exciting philosophy, huh, Scott? To Absolutely. be able to go through life that way, no doubt. Yeah, yeah well, and that certainly that lasted you, um, you know, your entire life. But but the sixty four years at at Hagen Oaks is is really unprecedented. Um, after uh, caddying, you you started repairing clubs at at Del Paso, and uh, someone at Hagen Oaks was looking for someone to come over and maybe repair some clubs. Isn't that how you got over there? Yeah. Besides. Uh uh, caddying at the Del Paso Country Club, Frank Minch Sr. Uh, took me under his wing and gave me free lessons. And for that, I'd pick up the range and help clean the clubs for the members. And it just so happened that he had one of the top club repair people in the Northern California working for him to keep all the clubs for the members up to shape. So uh, I learned how to put in inserts in wooden clubs and reshaft clubs and put on grips and stuff like that. And so when I was uh, 18 and just beginning to uh, enter college, um, uh, F- Tommy Lopresti, who was the head pro at uh, Hagen Oaks Golf Complex, was a personal friend of uh, Frank Minch Sr. because he had actually started his career there as a caddy master. And, uh, and he was having lunch with Mr. Minch, and he says, uh, you know, I got to hire somebody to repair clubs. He said, these new modern grips are coming out, and... And Frank Mint Sr. said, I got just a kid for you. And uh, he explained what I did there at the club. And, and he hired me immediately to go over to uh, Hagen and be a starter and repair clubs. Uh, at the time, uh, that the, uh, what they call the Red and Blue Nine or the Arcade mm-hmm. Creek was open. Yeah. You know, uh, when, you, when you think about the, the, the mentors that you've had in your life, um, you know, certainly some of that had to do with the fact that you were, you were you know, very good at what you did. But... But but also quite fortunate when you think about you know a, a guy like Minch and and Lopresti to kind of uh, guide you along in the beginning of your career. Well, you learned two things from Mr. Minch. One was is that you treated everybody the same because you never knew who would become the president of the club. Uh-huh. And uh, the the other thing you uh, you re- he taught you to do was to always be professional. Yes, sir, no, ma'am, and never show preferences. So that was a great learning experience. Uh, Mr. Lopresti was at the other end of the continuum. Not that he was less professional. He just was a very outgoing, flamboyant uh, guy. They called him the godfather of golf in Northern California, and he was a very uh, big extrovert and uh, really enjoyed dealing with people. And so he, I, I got two 
completely different experiences from two very talented golf professionals. Talk about the early years at Hagen Oaks when you know you were you were a starter and uh, and repairing some clubs. But you know, tell us some of the differences in in the world of golf in that time. Well, early on uh, in those years, um, actually, what people don't really realize is that was the beginning of the Palmer era, hmm. and the game exploded. Uh, in those days, we had what we call six minute intervals. So it took six and seven hours to play. Uh, and, uh, you know, you as a junior golfer, you could play all day for a quarter, as much golf as you wanted to play. Incredible. And you could get a $10 play card to play any time during the month. I mean, it was a completely different situation. So it was about getting as many people as you could on the golf course. It was about uh, promoting the game, which I really learned a lot about that from Mr. Lopresti. I mean... Uh, it's about making sure the next generation gets into the game and that it's continuous. And, uh, and so in the club repair era, um, the, the time was when the new rubber grip came out. That was a great big deal. Before that, all grips were leather. Mm. And, uh, and so we were changing grips right and left uh, and, and putting new grips on the club. In fact, we still have the same club repair department at Hagen Oaks we had way back then. Uh, and most of the business that we do is uh, putting on grips. Had everything uh, moved over to uh, steel shafts at that point, or were there still some folks playing hickory? Well, actually, uh, I had been taught by uh, uh, the gentleman at Del Paso Country Club uh, how to put on uh, uh, grips and, uh, and shafts, and it just so happened that uh, wooden shafted putters were still very popular at that time. And so uh, we learned uh, how to take a wood shaft and, uh, and, and sand it down so that it would have the right amount of flex in the right era, the right feel for the person. And uh, we, uh, we were able to make sure that we uh, put string around the shaft to stiffen it up a little bit if they wanted it stiff. And so dealing with those old wooden shafts was uh, quite different than today where you just slide in a steel or a graphite shaft. And, you know, interestingly enough, wooden shafted putters uh, had a big impact on your life. And we're going to hold that question for a little while. We'll get to that in a bit. But, Scott, you ever played with hickory? I haven't. I didn't realize you had to be a woodsmith to actually work on, you know, putters at one point. So that's fascinating to me. Well, there's a story uh, about Bobby Jones. Uh, When he was uh, playing, he played with wooden shafted clubs, the old hickory shaft. And... uh, he had one club that he didn't like, and that was his five iron. And later on in years, they found out that uh, the person who had fixed all the shafts and all the clubs did a perfect job except that one five iron. Wow. And, I mean, that's how. That explains it. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about um, playing for a quarter all day and $10 play cards and things like that. And, and uh, as, as you were kind of in the middle of your career, the discounting was, was very big uh, just to kind of stay alive. And there, there weren't that many golf courses in town, as a matter of fact. But, um, you know, you were, you, everybody was kind of competing against each other, trying to, you know, go as low as possible, which made it very tough to run a business. Um, you had a, um, a moment where uh, you, you turned from, from that to a, a different kind of facility based on, um, based on a flood. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I um, came to work one day after a, um, an all-night rain and a big windstorm, 
and it had just happened to be the opening of our spring golf expo, which was doing 50% of our annual business. And we had a big circus tent that was um, uh, open for a week. And uh, it had uh, all of our merchandise in it. Actually, it had over a million dollars worth of uh, merchandise in it. And really, my entire life's earnings up to that point was in that tent. And so I went to went to work that morning. My son called me uh, when he got to work and said, you better get here, Dad, and come in. The tent blew down. And uh, all the merchandise in the uh, in the tent was destroyed. Unfortunately, uh, we kept kept really good records of our inventory control as well as our our growth over the years and where the business went. And uh, and the insurance company stood by us and not only took care of all the inventory, but then we had income protection for the next three or four months till we got back on our feet. And uh, and so that really worked out and gave us a, a nice little sum of money where we then were able, was able to take that money and use it as a down payment to build a Hagen Oaks Super Shop, which is now, for 35 years in a row, been uh, one of the top 100 golf shops in America and is the highest volume on-course golf shop in America. That's remarkable. And uh, you continue to win awards uh, for your range and, and uh, for your lesson programs and, and, and your fitting programs. And we're going to get into all of that in a minute. Um, we're going to have to break for a commercial here. But when we come back, I kind of want to talk about that uh, that uh, little moment you had with someone with a wooden shafted putter and how that changed your life as well. This is the Sports 1140 uh, KHDK Golf to Go Radio Hour. Frank LaRosa here with Scott Marsh and our special guest, Ken Morton Sr. from the Hagen Oaks Golf Complex. We'll be back right after this. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa. We are back here on the Golf to Go Radio Hour with uh, Ken Morton Sr. And uh, Ken uh, recently retired, well, a year now from uh, Hagen Oaks after being there for 64 years. What a remarkable record that is, Ken. And I imagine when you when you look back on it, in many cases, everything's a blur. But uh, when you look at it a different way, everything is probably crystal clear. Yeah, it's, it really does uh, seem like that. Um, and this is a... I never really looked back very often through my career. I was pretty busy looking forward. Uh, but now that I have a little more time in my hands and people like you bring me into these radio shows and, and other kinds of communication types things and people want to know what happened, well, it forces me to look back and uh, I'm a truly a very blessed individual. You know, I alluded to um, uh, an experience you had with uh, – with a gentleman with a wooden shafted putter, you actually had two experiences with uh, with people that turned out to be pretty famous with putters. Uh, you pick the story you want to tell first. Well, the the first uh, situation started with a guy by the name of Karsten Solheim, uh, who had invented a putter that that called ping, and it pinged when you hit the ball. Uh, very unusual looking putter. Uh, really kind of a weird putter at the time, and I'll never forget, I'm in my office, I'm busy, and uh, Mr. Lepresti said, you know, you need to come out here on the putting green. He said, I'm watching this guy putt with this weird putter, and he says, uh, you need to tell me whether we need any in stock or not. So uh, I went out, and uh, he was rolling the ball in the green and giving us all kinds of stuff about why this putter was so famous and so good, and he had a couple guys in the tour playing with it, and so... Uh, it was actually called the Ping 1A, which they still make, by the way. And so, anyway, I uh, went out and watched him hit. And I said, well, Tom, why don't we put in a dozen of these putters and try them out different lengths? And the guy says, oh, that's great. It's one of my first orders. 
Well, it happened to be Karsten Solheim, Ping Golf, who is now in the top four manufacturers <laughs> in the world at that particular time. In fact, um, uh, the Ping company uh, has wrote a, a book in there about being in business for 50 years, and uh, I'm a chapter in the book based on that uh, first call. I was there to speak on their behalf at their 50th anniversary at the PGA Merchandise Show. Uh, and my son, Tom, just this last week, uh, attended Ping for him and his uh, wife and his two boys to be fitted by Ping Clubs. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But uh, Ping is uh, is really a, a, a fantastic company. And it's still family-owned uh, and run. They're in their third generation. They keep producing engineers that cre- keep redesigning clubs. And, and they're, they're a fantastic company. The other story was uh, similar in that I was uh, working again and Tom said, you need to, there's this old guy just showed up with some old wooden shafted clubs. He says, I, I need you to go out on the green and, and talk to him and see what he's got. And he had some wedges and he had a few putters and they are all wooden shafted putters. And, and I'd had a history in that. And uh, so anyway, I saw the clubs and I really didn't see much of a market for them. But um, I, I did give him an order for a few wedges and a few putters and Boy, it wasn't but two or three years later uh, when um, I had just won the National Merchandiser of the Year Award for the PGA, and I was at lunch with uh, several uh, of the uh, of the presidents and national sales managers for different uh, manufacturers of golf clubs, and they were asking me questions and stuff during the lunch, and finally uh, I asked them a question. I said, so when when you're looking in the future – what companies do you see that uh, that may give you the most fear? Uh, co- companies that that you see that could be up and coming, and they all agreed that P- uh, Callaway was the uh, the next club on the market, and they had a new metal wood that was going to be really quite successful, and uh, and so uh, I went over and looked at the clubs, and normally we would buy six or a dozen drivers when we were at a PGA show from a manufacturer. I saw the club and I could see it was going to be an instant success. And uh, my son was with me. He was the buyer for the hard goods. And so I took some purchase orders, went over, and I ordered 100 drivers <laughs> for the next six months. And my dad, my uh, son thought I had just lost it. Um, and uh, I said, Kenny, these are going to sell. He says, okay, it's your money, Dad. So anyway, um, it turned out that they had limitations of only uh, five or ten drivers per account. But because of that original purchase that I gave Ely Calloway way back when, when he first got in the business, uh, he gave us all the clubs we wanted. And it totally changed our merchandising from a uh, discount, uh, low-cost uh kind of company to a brand driven company and that connection with the new super shop changed our merchandising strategy forever and so those two men uh, as i look back on my history and my life those two men had a significant difference in the in in the rest of my career remarkable story huh scott remarkable <laughs> stories and you know you mentioned Throughout these stories, you talk about your son so much with with Ken Jr. and and, and Tom, and they're such an integral part of everything that's that's going on even today. And I just love for you to talk about what a, what a family operation you've had for so long. Well, that's really an interesting story because it really uh, started uh, when I uh, 
initially bought Mr. Lapresti out in the, in the early 1980s. And, uh, and I found that, hey, I needed somebody in the office to be able to do this office work. And that's when my wife started working for the company. And then it didn't take more than two or three years to realize that, Ken, you can't have any skeletons in your closet. You better clean up any act that you have <laughs> because I was uh, not only uh, working all day yeah. and talking golf all day, but now I was talking golf when I got at home. So <laughs> then as the boys uh, grew up, uh, they've obviously played junior golf yep. and uh, were in the junior golf program, which created uh, really – opened up the opportunity for me to grow youth golf in ways that hadn't been done in Sacramento before. And then uh, uh, when Kenny graduated from college, uh, he he wanted to work at Hagen Oaks, so I had given him some merchandising experience, and now he runs the super shop yep. in our marketing department. And then um, my other son, Tom, uh, he went to UC Santa Barbara and uh, and graduated from there, played golf all four years, and he wanted to be in our player development program, and so uh, I hired him to do that. And then in uh, 2001, uh, the city was uh, going to get someone to run all the golf courses, yeah. and, uh, and uh, I had told the boys, you know, boy, at my age now, I'm not sure I'm going to stick around for a long-term contract. And they said, well, then why don't you uh, – why don't we become your partners and uh, and then we were putting all of our line on all of our yeah. income and our whole uh, net worth on the line for a family business. And, you know, we've all heard those stories. Right. Right. But it has turned out to be a total blessing. Yeah. Uh, both kids are extremely talented. They're uh, uh, they really have a lot of passion for what they do. They they're really nationally acclaimed and in uh, in the work they do and it also brought in terry daubert our president and mike woods at the time and and we i would have to say we have probably one of the premier management teams at golf facilities in the country you know and, and i i just keep uh, going back to the story with your grandfather and you know it kind of set the tone for for who you became how you did your business and and how your family runs the business it's it's let's have fun at doing what we're doing and 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 the customer is is foremost uh most important uh person in 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 your any of your business dealings talk about that well in our um in our core values as a company which uh, i had uh in in the early 1990s i had all of our staff come together for meetings throughout a couple of years to find out what kind of environment they wanted to work in and uh and the final uh one was to make work fun and I really believe that's important that if you enjoy what you're doing every day, the customers feel it, uh, they sense it, and then they feel part of the experience. And that customer experience is is very important to you. And you, you do extensive training with all of your staff to make sure that they understand the Morton Golf way of doing things. Well, uh, I retired last year, just a year ago, uh, this month. And uh, as I was uh, getting ready to leave, uh, my uh, president, Terry Daubert, said, oh, but you will be doing all of our customer <laughs> service training, right? And because uh, I have a lot of, uh, of uh, PowerPoint projects on those kinds of things, uh, that and sales training. And so I still do that, uh, but I don't go to the day-to-day operation. Well, that brings up another point. I mean, nationally, you have been involved, even internationally, with uh, with the PGA in terms of teaching and and uh, you know, creating uh, programs for for PGA professionals, 
Um, you always uh, talk about the fact uh, how fortunate you are to work with some of the greatest minds, not only just in golf, but, but in business uh, around the world. Yeah, I was uh, very fortunate in the late 1980s. I was asked to uh, uh, monitor a uh, apprentice program that, that, that pros go through to be able to get their uh, PGA license. And, uh, and then the next year they asked me to do it again. And uh, then uh, for 35 years, I was doing head pro training seminars. I also uh, was a uh, one of about a half a dozen people who were designated experts to uh, build the PGA uh, certification program and then the PGA master professional programs. And I worked with some uh, international companies like Stanford Research Institute and Tata International to be able to build those programs. Uh, also was uh, asked to... Uh, be a uh, evaluator of military projects all over the world, and I was going to different uh, golf courses and evaluating them and uh, helping them get their facilities up to speed uh, because the uh, uh, the Pentagon had said that if they didn't operate in the black, uh, they were going to close the courses. People don't know that the U.S. military owns more golf courses than anybody in the world. They have 440 courses that they have. Oh, wow. And, uh, and they want to make sure that they're, they're not operating in the red. So that was an experience. So the, while I was doing all the uh, head pro training courses over the years, uh, I was placed uh, like on three-day seminars with some of the best pros throughout the United States to, uh, to provide information to improve their, who they were. And uh, it was... Um, it was an unbelievable experience because as I would meet pros that I thought were really, really talented, they would have some expertise that uh, would be unique. And I found that any pro who had been at their club over 15 years had some really qualities about them that would be interesting to find out about. So I'd even go visit their facilities mm. and get to know them a little more personally. And then I'd bring those ideas back to uh, the city golf courses and uh, people don't know this part about me because I've been quiet about it all my life. It's just been something behind the scenes that I've done, and I didn't really need or want any notoriety. It was it was that I was doing something for the PGA, but they were doing far more for me in the reality of the whole thing. You know, everybody's got a story, obviously, sure. and 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 Ken's story is is really remarkable, Scott. When you when you think about all the years that, I mean, just. Just being there at Hagen Oaks for yeah. 64 years, and you th- think about the people that have gone through there: Ely Calloway and and um, you know Karsten Solheim and and Bob Hope and and Babe Ruth and and all of those folks. I mean, just the experience of of talking to those people and and today's uh, certainly golf uh, pros, uh, playing pros as well. Um, it, it it you can't put it in a little box. You, you can't at all, and you know. Ken is way too humble, but the impact he's had just on the community and all the golfers here is is second to none. I really meant that at the beginning of the show. I don't think there's a person who's had more impact in our community than Ken Morton has. And uh, Ken, I'm, I'm curious because I, I know you you wanted to play golf professionally, and your son Tom, uh, Ken, Kenny's a good golfer too. He doesn't play as much as Tom, but Tom got to play on a PGA Tour event and all of that. Just Just talk about what your ambition was how serious were you about actually trying to pursue that part of this golf career? Well, actually, as a junior golfer, I'd won several junior golf events. Uh, uh, Mr. Minch really spent a lot of time with me. He had me caddy for him. He told me the different shot makings that he was doing and how to 
do the short game. He was a real expert on the short game. And uh, and I won the Northern California High School Championship and then won the the uh, junior golf or uh, the uh, junior college event for the state of California and and I was on a road to be able to play professional golf if I wanted to. I did play a couple of tour events, but the truth was um, when I got to the point and I actually had a group of people who wanted to back me on the tour, uh, but when I got to that point, I suddenly began to reflect and realize that. I enjoyed being around people, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed seeing people be happy, and uh, and I really uh, spent my have spent my whole life uh, believing that you know you, you you my job is to make people's lives happier and more meaningful, and that's what I go to work trying to do every day. And uh, can you imagine uh, spending sixty four years uh, in your office as a golf course, uh, and the people mm-hmm. coming in are basically all good wonderful, beautiful people that are happy. I mean, I've been truly blessed. We've all been blessed, as Scott said, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, about the, the state of the game today, uh, your involvement in, in a pilot program for what turned out to be the first tee, uh, and uh, a little bit more here on Sports 1140 KHDK. It's the Golf to Go Radio Hour. Scott Marsh, Frank LaRosa with our special guest, Ken Morton Sr. from uh, Hagen Oaks Golf Complex. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa. We are back with the Golf to Go Radio Hour on Sports 1140KHDK. Frank LaRosa here with Scott Marsh and our special guest, uh, Ken Morton Sr. from, uh, well, recently, a year ago, retired from the Hagen Oaks Golf Complex. You know, Ken, um, it occurs to me that uh, in all the years that you were there and uh, the reputation that you have, um, your name is so well known around town, People might have the impression that that you own Hagen Oaks or that your company owns Hagen Oaks, but it's it's a city property. Um, all the golf courses, Hagen Oaks, uh, Bing Maloney, Bartley Cavanaugh, and William Land, are all owned by the city of Sacramento, and uh, they actually uh, have a long-term lease with uh, Morton Golf in order to uh, operate uh, all aspects of the golf course, and then we pay them a nice, sizable rent to do that and 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 enjoy doing it. Yeah, and that's been a long time, and and what a what a great opportunity both for, for certainly for Morton Golf, but more so for the golfers in Sacramento and and uh, the city of Sacramento as well. Um, a, a while back, uh, the um, schools had decided they were going to drop the golf program, and uh, you you're so passionate about the game and about juniors' ability to try and get into the game, you you kind of came up with an idea that that kind of. Uh, uh, took the place of some of that. Right. Uh, you know, because of Mr. Minch and because of youth golf, uh, they've given me a, a lifetime that I couldn't have dreamed up. And so, you know, my job is then to perpetuate that to the next generations after me. And at that time, uh, it was interesting uh, because um, high school golf was uh, one of the integral paths for people going to college. And to get a college scholarship, and uh, and so at that time, Proposition Thirteen had come out, and uh, they were going to uh, the schools were going to eliminate golf and many sports from their activities, and so I got together with uh, uh, with the pro at uh, Del Paso Country Club at that point, Les Streeper, and we uh, uh, decided that we were going to form an organization called Say Golf, Sacramento Area Youth Golf Association. And we were going to raise some money, 
and we were going to uh, help uh, sponsor the golf teams at the schools to keep them in place. And it was quite a fight, by the way. But we showed up one evening uh, down at the, the, uh, uh, the school district, and we uh, brought in 600 people, all wearing green shirts. <laughs> and it just so happened that two girls had just won full-ride scholarships, one to Stanford by the name of Jamil Jose and another one to University of Washington by the name of, um, of uh, Peroni. And uh, she uh, is now running the first tee of Greater Sacramento, by the way. Um, she's uh, uh, really a very talented lady and is doing a great job. But anyway, we uh, got together with the newspaper, and they wrote stories about the two girls on the day that we were going to go to the school district and uh, complain about losing golf. And I was able to take uh, a French front-page story on the two girls and put it on the desk uh, uh, of all of the uh, people that were on the board of directors and uh, with 600 people. And uh, we turned around the issue. And then we actually helped pay the stipend of the coaches for the school district so that we could keep the program going. And uh, that was the beginning of the Sacramento Area Youth Golf Association. Then it turned out that uh, we began to realize that, well, if we're going to we're going to save high school golf, then we need to put programs into the city and the area, the region that would get kids ready for high school golf. At that time, uh, Jamil um, uh, and, and Ms. Peroni were the only two girls playing on high school golf, and they were playing on the boys' team. Wow. Today, Frank, we have over 40 all-girl high school teams in the Sacramento region. Sacramento is the most popular place in the country for for college scholarships. We have more girls earning college scholarships playing golf in major colleges than any other region in America because of all this that started way back when. That's remarkable. Yes, so that began the program, and then we have just continued to add programs, and then as we got going, I began to realize that well, we were the local kids when they played in tournaments out of town, they were called flatlanders because most of the public golf courses in the area were flat. Mm-hmm. And I began to realize that our kids were not getting experiences of playing on really good competitive golf courses. And when they leave town, they would not be able to compete. So that's when I got together with all the other country clubs. And uh, we created the Say Golf Junior Tour, which is now the first T Junior Tour, in order to help the kids be able to play competitively in a variety of different experiences, which is to help the kids grow. So now at this date, uh, the uh, Say Golf, which is now the first T Junior Tour, is a middle ground between learning the game, playing locally, and then moving on to regional and national tournaments. That's just what that's an incredible story. That kind of gives me chills because obviously uh and 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 at this point it's the girls that are are making up the the biggest uh, percentage of new golfers coming into the game. Oh uh, yes, uh, we're finding that in a lot of our programs 60% of the people playing in the program are are young ladies. That's that's a great story. And certainly uh, that was many years ago or prior to you uh, forming the Morton Golf Foundation. But uh, I'm guessing that was kind of in your mind, in the back of your mind then. And and uh, years later, you formed the Morton Golf Foundation, which does a lot of those same kinds of things. 
in supporting junior golf, but uh, you support a number of charities here in Sacramento. Yes, we uh, reach out to the Latino Junior Golf Association, the African American Junior Golf Association, the Wounded Warriors. Uh, we have a, a group of people who are blind that play at William Lang Golf Course weekly during the spring and summertime. Uh, we have a lot of underserved programs, Angels for Hearts, Kids with Heart Conditions. Uh, we, have, we have all kinds of programs that uh, the Morton Golf Foundation supports uh, because the first tee has its uh, hands full with all the programs that were started way back when, and, and they're really busy, and they're raising money to support the programs they have. So we want uh, to we want to uh, really feature mostly on the underserved kids and provide even money for kids to play in tournaments, maybe equipment, some golf lessons. Uh, and then we uh, give annually, we give out several college scholarships for a, in the forty dollars to $50,000 range uh, at this point. We're hoping each year that that continues to grow. And, you know, when, when you decide to, to get involved with something, it, you know, it's, it's with the full force. And, and I, I remember when, when uh, you were uh, celebrating your 50th year and, and I remember your, your, your son saying to you, what do you want to do, Dad? And you said, I don't know. Why don't we put on a charity golf tournament and invite Vince Gill and see what happens? And uh, ultimately, what is it, 14 years later, Golf and Guitars has been an incredible success, raising over a million dollars for the Morton Golf Foundation. Yeah, it's a, that's a very exciting event. And uh, my son, Kenny Jr., uh, uh, loves Western music, uh, country music, and uh, he's really gotten really connected with the people in that industry, and uh, and he has a lot of people who come back every year to be able to be in that event. And yes, it's a it's a terrific event. You know, Ken, um, as as I said earlier, we we you know we you certainly didn't tend to look back on your life, um, and there are so many high points. Um, and, you know, in some points that were, I'm sure, tough to get through, what, what kind of stands out? Um, you know, I, I'm not going to ask you the, you know, your fondest memory or your, you know, your best accomplishment, but what are the kinds of things that, that stand out as you think back? Well, as I stand back, um, I think the most fun has been for me to build a company culture that really uh, connects with people and uh, and tries to understand what people like and want and then provide it for them and maybe even exceed their expectations. Obviously, a high point for me in my life is to see how my family has evolved. Uh, I mean, I think in today's world to be able to have your wife and your sons and your family and your business uh, uh, and then everybody have a normal life uh, is really an interesting thing. Uh, I, I found as that began to evolve and happen that I had to be the same person in every situation. I couldn't be different at home. I couldn't be different at work. I couldn't be different with other people. And it, it kind of forces you to always be who you are uh, and try not to uh, be different because then you lose trust with other people. So those are my highlights. You know, Scott, um, for years I've said that um, – you know, in many ways, the golfing community in Sacramento is spoiled, and and I don't mean that in a, in you know in the in the in a bad sense. We we all know what we know, right? And and so we go to Hagen Oaks and and um, we see thirty six holes, and we see a, a fitting uh, facility, and we see uh, programs for blind golfers and and juniors, and and uh, fifteen thousand square foot uh, 
um, super shop, and 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 it just goes on and on and on and on. And Ken, I mean, is there more than a handful of anybody that's anywhere like you across the country? Well, probably not, but I don't really look at it like that. I look at it this way in that when you spend 35 years with the PGA of America working with the finest pros in the United States and you bring the three to six programs a year back to your club and you compound that for 30-plus years, uh, that's really the reason of the success of Morton Golf. It's not like I'm a some genius or some guy that thought up all this stuff. Uh, I actually have stolen most everything that we have there at the golf course from my friends and partners in the in the PGA of America. So you know, it, it, there's a lot of talented people around the country doing wonderful, exceptional things, and uh, and so we are really a conglomeration of uh, relationships that I've had throughout my career. Scott, how would you when when you talk about uh, you know about Ken's career and about Hagen Oaks? What, how do you describe the the whole thing? Well, it's the heart of Sacramento golf. I, I think about all the times I've spent there between being in the, the the shop and getting fitted for clubs. I've been to a wedding out there. I've tried the top tracker technology that's now on the driving range. I mean, it really it's a community gathering for so many things. Easter egg hunts that you've had out there, your putting contest that we're participating in next month. I mean, just so many great things and so much fun. And I've spent so many great times with uh, friends and just hanging out and hopefully trying to learn this frustrating game of golf, which I love hate at the same time but just love being outdoors so it, it you know you've you've been such a great service ken and i know it, it started with you and, and your family and i, I love both of your sons uh, Kenny and, and tom they they follow in your mold and uh, it's just a, it's a great sense of family every time you go out there truthfully that's a pretty pretty good description there, Ken. Well, thank you very much, Scott. It's was... the truth. It's heartfelt. It's 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 accurate. And I know I'm I'm just one of many who feel that way. You know, you mentioned uh, early in your career it was uh, the the beginning of the Arnold Palmer career. Uh, you know, uh, he, here's Arnold Palmer. Here's how the world of golf is changing. Here in uh, 2022, um, what's Ken Morton's take on the state of the game, and uh, where do you see us? You know, five ten years down the road. Well, the pandemic has changed the game and probably changed it forever, hopefully, in a good way. Uh, It was interesting to me that for 30 years from the early 90s all the way till recently, uh, people who didn't play golf uh, saw it as as not a very wonderful thing to do. And uh, they didn't. They thought the people playing in it were stuffy, that they were uh, rich people, that uh, they really uh, didn't represent the demographics of the community very well, and uh, and on and on and on. Well, we spent 30 years changing the game, but I think the sport as a whole had never really told people what had been going on. I mean, when I was first entering in the game, we had two newspapers, one the Union and one the B. There were golf writers that wrote stories every single day, and all the sweepstakes from the clubs were in the paper every day. It was a way of communication. Today, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's um, it's an interesting time. So when the, when the pandemic hit, and there really weren't a lot of other things for people to do, a lot of those people on the sidelines came into the game. And, uh, and when we start looking at our regular players, those rounds are up with them. When we start talking about junior golf, it's exploding like never before. 
uh, even maybe bigger than during the Tiger Woods era when he came into the game. Um, and then we instituted some uh, welcoming uh, to the game for women's golf about eight years ago that now we have mentors to help women learn how to play the game that actually go out and play with them on the golf courses. Uh, our women's program is growing like it hasn't in the history of the game. And then on top of that, the baby boomers now are retiring. Uh, they were going to retire back in the 1990s, according to the National Golf Foundation, but because uh, they they didn't, and then you had 9-11 and then the Great Recession, they now are just retiring in, in droves. And so that weekday play is uh, increasing. And, and when I look at all the different demographics of the game, uh, I see it as being uh, really uh, uh, changing. And I, it was interesting how the media dealt with the pandemic. They all, all of a sudden, just overnight, said, you know, golf is an outdoor healthy sport where you can walk five miles and take and burn up 1,500 calories. And, you know, it's been proven that, uh, that golfers live five years longer than non-golfers. And all of a sudden, there was all this media that was saying how great the game was, and now all of a sudden, <laughs> it's greater than ever. So, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how, we, how the media really has a huge thing. Uh, to just kind of quickly cut this off, I will just say that, that we now have uh, introduced in our social media at the golf courses, tried to bring back news by creating stories weekly of people who work for us as well as the customers that we have to be able to start telling that this person played in this tournament and won and this person did this because uh, we really miss all those old stories. I think the game misses those old stories as well. There's really no other way now to get the information out. Uh, you know, there's all and there actually I would go to so far as to say that every single day at the golf course, there's a newsworthy story that, uh, of importance to to people uh, because it's a social game. It's where people all come together to enjoy each other. Well, well, we've really enjoyed having you here today, Ken. I, you know, I know we could go on for another hour and uh, maybe after you've been gone two years, we'll come back and do it again. But uh for Scott Marsh and and for me, certainly having uh, Ken Morton Sr. on the Golf to Go Radio Hour it was a distinct pleasure and an honor. And we thank you very much and continue to do what you do. Well, uh, Scott and uh, Frank, thank you for all you do for the game as well. You've heard it from Ken Morton Sr. This is the Golf to Go Radio Hour. Scott Marsh, Frank LaRosa, join us again next week. We'll be back.